Every situation I've mentioned just now, I've been through every single one of them. And when I learned, when I learned over the time that when you say no, it actually allows you to say a lot more yeses in the future, is when I realized that myself and my needs need to be met first before anything else. So learn to say no. And remember, no is a valid response. It's a totally valid and complete response. Welcome back to the What's Up and What's Next podcast, the greatest podcast of all times. Thank you so much for tuning in for another week, another episode, another podcast, another set of insights, another opportunity where we both sit down, have a conversation, catch up and dedicate some time towards self-growth. I appreciate you so much. I know you've got a busy schedule. Time and energy are two of the most important resources in the world. And I am grateful that you're giving me a little bit of those right now for a short period of time just to listen and digest this podcast episode. Thank you so, so much. I appreciate you. Hit the follow button, hit the subscribe, leave us a review. It takes a couple of seconds only and it helps the podcast grow exponentially. Thank you so much. Today's episode. Today's episode, before we jump in, I want to spend some time and share a little reflection that I've had recently and then we can jump right into the episode. So reflection. I was reflecting a bit recently on emotions. And I made a podcast episode around emotions. I'm not sure if it'll come out before this one or after this one. But the point being is, the interesting thing with emotions is we all make a mistake. When it comes to emotional intelligence, the biggest or most common mistake, in my personal opinion, right? The biggest and most common mistake is we mislabel or miscategorize or misidentify and therefore misarticulate and misexpress the right emotions that we're feeling. We'll say that we're happy when actually we're feeling excited. We'll say that we're sad when actually we're feeling disappointed. We say that we are angry when actually we're feeling frustrated, right? And so this inability to articulate, which comes from a lack of ability to identify correctly and accurately the emotion that you're feeling leads us to a low level of emotional intelligence. And so that's just a a quick side note, but really the thing that I wanted to share with you all was I was reflecting on emotions and it's interesting how there's all these emotions out there and each of them have a set of specific characteristics specific attributes that make that emotion what that is and how you feel that emotion is then personalized to you. What am I saying here? What I'm saying is, let's think about common emotions, love and hate, for example. Very common emotions, emotions that we're familiar with. And isn't it interesting, right? Isn't it interesting that we tend to label them as good or bad. Love is good, hate is bad, right? We look at emotions and we say, we have good emotions and we have bad emotions. Like we'll look at anxiety and say, that's, that's a bad emotion. We'll look at excitement and say, that's a 
good emotion. And the fun thing about anxiety and excitement is that physiologically, it manifests the same in your body. It's your brain that then interprets that as either excitement or anxiety, but the symptoms and the signs of both anxiety and excitement are actually the same exact ones physiologically and physically in your body. It's the differentiating factor within your brain that then interprets it to be either one or the other. Isn't that insane? Isn't that crazy that you could have two emotions, they could feel the same but you interpret them differently. You feel the same but you interpret them differently. So my point being is I feel like we don't do enough processing and understanding of that emotion to understand what it is. Going back to love and hate. And actually, before we get into love and hate, see how we look at emotions needs to change because there's no such thing as a bad emotion and a good emotion. There's just emotions. It doesn't have to be labeled as good or bad. It just is. It just is. So let it be. Love and hate. What is the opposite of hate? Most people would say the opposite of hate is love. And most people are wrong. Because the opposite of hate isn't love. The opposite of hate is indifference. Notice how love and hate are not opposites. They're not opposing views, they're not opposing emotions. On the emotional scale, love and hate are actually a lot closer than most people think because they're not opposites. The opposite of hate is indifference because when you hate or when you feel hate, that still means that you care to a degree. So the opposite of naturally caring to a degree would be not caring at all. Not caring at all is indifference. But most people think that hate is the opposite of love. Again, another great example of how we misunderstand emotions. We misidentify emotions and therefore we misarticulate them. We can't expect ourselves to express emotions in the right way if we constantly misidentify them, which leads us to misexpress ourselves. That's just a little side note that I wanted to to fit into the episode because it's something that I found really interesting. And actually, I'll give you another interesting thing that I have been reflecting on recently, which is if you look at the emotional scale, at the bottom, at the very bottom, the last emotion on that scale, at the bottom of that scale, it's not anger, it's not frustration, it's not sadness, it's not anxiety. At the bottom is shame. Shame, as an emotion, is at the bottom of the emotional scale. And I sat down and I reflected recently, I was wondering, why is that? Why is it that shame, out of all the emotions in the world, sits at the bottom of the scale? And the reflection that I, or the conclusion rather, that I landed on, was that when you feel happy, you accept that you're happy at something. When you feel sad, 
you accept that you feel sad at something. When you feel angry, you accept that you feel angry at something. But when you feel shame, you struggle to accept that you feel shame towards something. Acceptance or the struggle to accept is actually the differentiating factor here. Right? It's the differentiating factor here. It's what makes a difference. And also, shame tends to be a lot more internal and to do a lot more with ourselves. And that's why we, we feel it in the way that we feel it when we feel shame. And that's why it sits at the bottom. So anyway, it's just a, a quick overview of some of the things that I've been thinking about recently and just over the course of times. I hope that's insightful in some ways. But now, let's jump into today's episode. Today's episode is about boundaries. Boundaries. Today's episode is about boundaries. And why do I want to make an episode on boundaries? Because I feel like the question that we don't ask ourselves enough is, what does it mean, right? What does it mean for us to set boundaries, right? At the end of the day, what even is boundaries? And I feel like we don't know that enough. Like we don't understand the concept of boundaries enough. So how can we set boundaries when we don't understand what they are in the first place? Setting boundaries refers to your ability to establish limits, right? Limits, guidelines, rules, whatever you want to call it, for yourself in various aspects of life. That could be relationships, that could be work, that could be personal well-being. Boundaries define what is acceptable and unacceptable in terms of behavior, in terms of interactions, and the use of personal resources, including time, energy, and emotions. Boundaries is effectively your way of communicating to everyone else what is acceptable and unacceptable to you, and the important purposes that boundaries serve is things such as self-preservation, right? Boundaries help protect your physical, your emotional, and your mental well-being by ensuring that you are not consistently overextending yourself or compromising your needs. We talk about maintaining your personal values. Boundaries enable you to uphold and honor your personal values, beliefs, and principles. They provide you with a framework towards aligning your actions and choices with what you deem important and valuable. We're talking about promoting healthy relationships. Boundaries foster healthy and balanced relationships because they establish clear expectations and they promote mutual respect, communication, and understanding between individuals. And last but not least, another purpose and a very important one is it prevents exploitation and resentment. Boundaries prevent others from taking advantage of you or crossing personal limits, which can often lead to resentment, burnout, or emotional distress. It's a framework for establishing and maintaining healthy boundaries. And often we overlook this. Often we are so scared of setting boundaries. But setting boundaries is just 
expectation setting. It's just expectation management. It's just relationship setting. It's just relationship management. And when I say relationship, I'm not talking just about romantic relationships. I'm talking about friendships. I'm talking about interactions at work. I'm talking about interactions in general with anyone in the world. I'm talking about everything here. This isn't just a romantic relationship focused episode. This is an any and every type of relationship focused episode. Now, the natural next question that you'll have is, Eric, how do I set boundaries in my relationships with whoever that is, with any type of relationship that I have? And there's really seven steps involved in it. There's seven steps that I would say are involved in your ability to set boundaries in a healthy way. I want to emphasize that in a healthy way. Because you could set boundaries in it being in a very unhealthy way, or you can set boundaries in it being in a very healthy way. And I want you to always set boundaries in a healthy way, because that's what's going to benefit you and the other person the most. So before I give you the seven steps, I want you to just get, again, a summary of what this all is about. Setting boundaries at the end of the day involves recognizing and communicating your needs, your needs expressing your limits, your limits, and asserting your rights, your rights. Of course, it requires self-awareness, self-assertion, and the willingness to prioritize your well-being. Boundaries can be physical, can be emotional, can be psychological in nature. That doesn't matter, right? They could be all of the above. Examples could be things like saying no to excessive demands, setting limits on the use of personal time and energy, defining personal space and privacy, or establishing guidelines for acceptable behavior in relationships. Notice how all of these things are ways in which you can set boundaries. They're examples of it. And we're going to dive deep into the seven steps in just a moment. But I just want to say that ultimately, ultimately, and part of the reason why I'm doing this episode is because setting boundaries allows you to create a healthy and balanced life. Because you cultivate self-respect, you foster positive connections with others, and overall, it's such an essential aspect of personal growth, self-care, and just maintaining your overall well-being. That's really what it's all about, maintaining your overall well-being. So what are the seven steps that are essential for you to cultivate, create, build, maintain healthy relationships and your personal well-being. Here's the seven steps. Self-reflection. Self-reflection has to be the first step involved in setting healthy boundaries because you have to take the time to first understand your own needs, to first understand your own values, and to first understand your own limits. You have to reflect on the areas where you feel uncomfortable or overwhelmed. Because how can you even begin to set boundaries when you don't even understand what is it that makes you feel overwhelmed, uncomfortable, out of place? If you don't even understand the basics, which is your own inner dialogues, your own internal values, your own limitations, how do you even begin to address and set boundaries? So you have to take time to reflect 
Because when you reflect on your own needs and values and limits, you are better able to set boundaries. So it has to start with self-reflection. Ask yourself simple questions. What are my values? What are my needs? What are my limits? What makes me uncomfortable? What makes me overwhelmed? These are all valid questions that will help you understand yourself a little bit better, right? And then the second step from that is identify boundaries. So once you've gone through the process of reflecting deeply on yourself and understanding yourself better, you then have to begin to identify boundaries. So now you want to determine the specific boundaries you want to be set in the different areas of your life, such as relationships, work, personal time, and be clear about what behaviors or actions are acceptable and unacceptable to you. So notice in this step, we're not communicating this to anyone right now. We're not communicating boundaries to anyone else right now. We're actually communicating boundaries to ourselves, right? We are identifying in the different areas of our lives within ourselves, what do we find to be acceptable and unacceptable to us? Identify those, write them down, uh, make a list, doesn't matter how you do this, but you have to identify your boundaries, right? You have to identify your boundaries. For example, I'll give you an example of something that is important to me and something that I've identified as a boundary to me. So. After a lot of reflection in recent times, one of the things that I've reflected and came to the conclusion of is that my time and energy are really important and at the moment, very limited. I don't have much of it because of the busy schedules, because of the projects, because of work, because of the business. I don't have much of it, but these are things that I value a lot, my time and my energy, right? That was self-reflection. I'm just making this uh, summarized version of it. Then in the identifying phase, what I did was, okay, so I have a long day, I have a long busy day, I do a lot of work and I have my business. I have to set boundaries with myself in the business, for example, as to when I will do coaching sessions and to when I won't, right? So anyone that, that knows me knows that I do not do coaching sessions on the weekends. I simply don't. The weekends is when I have a bit more of time and energy to do a lot of the things that I want to do. So I refuse to do coaching sessions on the weekend. However, I do do discovery calls on the weekend. So if you're listening to these and you'd like to take a discovery call with me, first of all, it's free. So you should definitely take me on it. And second of all, I do discovery calls on the weekend right? That's totally fine because discovery calls are the initial calls that I have with you guys and that's totally fine. But I will not do coaching sessions as part of a coaching package within a weekend. I do it within weekdays, that's fine, but I don't do it within weekends. And that's my boundary. That's me protecting my time and my energy in the area of my life, which is business, right? I still do work on my business on the weekends, but I don't do coaching sessions. I do other type of work. I do discovery calls. I do other work on my business, but not particularly packages and contracted coaching sessions. 
that's a boundary that I've identified as important to myself. And I'll keep using this example throughout the seven steps, okay? Number three, communicate assertively. Notice how I said communicate assertively, not aggressively. Assertively, not aggressively. Because the whole point is to do this in a healthy way, not in an unhealthy way. So what does this mean? It means you clearly and you calmly communicate your boundaries to others. And you can use I statements to express your needs and expectations because you want to focus on how their behavior affects you, not the other way around. Back to my business-related example, for me, this was very, very simple. For me, it was the fact that I communicated with my clients that I do not do sessions. Again, I, I statements, I don't do sessions on the weekend because I feel drained on the weekends due to all the other work that I have and I want to be my best self and have my best energy for you as part of the coaching package. And therefore, I do coaching sessions on the weekdays so that I can benefit you the most, I can serve you the most, and I don't do them on the weekends. Simple, you know, I'm not being rude, I'm just being polite. I am being clear, I'm very calm, and I'm being assertive. I'm not being aggressive, I'm just saying, hey, this is, this is a boundary. And I also tend to say that I'm happy if we need to reschedule sessions throughout the week, that's totally fine. Monday to Friday, no problem, but just the weekends is just not where I do the sessions. And my clients understand that. And my clients know. They know if they need to reschedule sessions, it's totally fine. They know if we need to adjust sessions, it's totally fine. They know if we need to change a session, it's totally fine. They know that. They know that within the weekdays, we can do that. We have that flexibility. I'm very, very understanding when we've both got busy lives. So, you know, it happens. But it's just within those periods that I've mentioned, which is the Monday to Friday, the weekends are off and only available for discovery calls. It's actually interesting how easy it is to communicate things when you do it from a standpoint of love and from a standpoint of care. Number four, be firm and consistent. Maintain your boundaries by standing firm in your decisions. This is probably one of the most important steps actually because you can set boundaries all you want, but if you don't reinforce them, then what's the point? What's the point? It's like, it's like if a country was to set a government law and no one in the country is respecting it and the country and the government and the police force are not making it a priority to reinforce that law. It's kind of the same concept, right? It's like, what's the point of setting a boundary if you're not going to reinforce it? And reinforce it, again, it's not about being aggressive, it's not about being unhealthy, it's just about being clear. Right? It's just about being clear, firm and consistent. And you can reinforce your boundaries through your words and actions, and again, in a healthy way. Practice self-care. When you prioritize self-care and self-compassion, that helps you. When you recognize that setting boundaries is not selfish, but it's necessary for your overall well-being, you become better at it. You become better at setting boundaries when you realize that it's not selfish, it's just a way for you to maintain your overall well-being. And even, even if it was to be deemed as selfish, how can you be selfless 
if you don't have a bit of selfish in you? How can I be my best for my clients if I don't prioritize the time that I do want to rest and take care of myself in order to be my best self for them in the sessions that we do during the weekdays? Do you see what I mean? You get to be selfish so that you can be even better at being selfless. Learn to say no. Say no without guilt or excessive explanation when someone's request goes against your boundaries. You got to remember saying no is a valid response to protect your time, your energy and resources. And I actually want to give a different example now, moving away from business, but how many times have you made plans with your friends, but then closer to the time, you're not really feeling like going? You don't have a particular reason. There's no particular excuse, quote unquote excuse. It's not like something else has come up. You just mentally and emotionally and energetically don't feel like going. How many of you have been through this situation? Now, second from that, how many of you have still gone to those plans? Not because you felt like going, but because you felt guilty of not going. Not because you felt excited to go, but because you felt guilty if you didn't go. Because you felt like you would be letting someone down or you felt like you wouldn't be doing justice to others, right? This is, again, prioritizing someone else's needs over yours. Now, how many of you have been through that situation? And third, from that, I'm going to give you another one. How many of you have actually messaged those friends to cancel and say, hey, I'm not going to be able to make it. And then you over-justified, you over-explained, and you said sorry. How many of you have done that? I'm so sorry, I can't make it, I won't be able to make it. I'm so sorry. And then made, a, made up an excuse to make it sound better and try to over-justify and over-explain. I'm so sorry. You don't have to say sorry. You don't have to apologize. You don't have to over-justify. You don't have to over-explain. Saying no is okay. Now, I'm not saying be rude about it. I understand that saying sorry is almost like a way of being polite, but at the same time, it's a way of processing the guilt that you feel from the situation. And you shouldn't have to do that. It's okay to prioritize your own needs over everyone else's because you probably spend majority of your life prioritizing everyone else's over yourself. Am I wrong? Am I right? How many of you have been to that situation of trying to over-explain and over-justify? Every situation I've mentioned just now, I've been to every single one of them. And when I learned, when I learned over the time that when you say no, it actually allows you to say a lot more yeses in the future, is when I realized that myself and my needs need to be met first before anything else. So learn to say no. And remember, no is a valid response. It's a totally valid and complete response. And last but not least, evaluate and adjust. Regularly assess your boundaries to ensure 
that they align with your evolving needs and circumstances. At the end of the day, the first step was to identify your values, your needs, and your limits. The last step is to continuously evaluate those because let's be honest, you are not the same person that you were 10 years ago. You're not. And let me say something that might be a bit shocking to you. You are not going to be the same person that you are today in the next 10 years. It's funny because every time you ask someone if they've changed a lot in the past 10 years, they would say, yeah, I've changed a lot in the past 10 years. And every time you ask them, do you think you're going to change a lot in the next 10 years? People tend to say, no, I don't think so. I think I'll change a little bit, but not too much. I need you to understand that that's not true. You've changed a lot, yes, in the past 10 years, that is correct. But what is also correct is that you are going to change a lot in the next 10 years. That's the natural path and cycle of life, and that's okay. So with that, what it means is that your needs, your values, and your limits are also going to change and evolve with you. They're gonna grow with you. So evaluate and adjust, you know, assess and evaluate your boundaries to ensure they still align with your ever-evolving needs and circumstances and be open to adjusting or renegotiating or rethinking or re-changing, reshaping boundaries as necessary. I hope today's episode has been useful and helpful for you. I know setting boundaries can be something that is difficult, but it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be because it can be done in a healthy way, in a loving way, in a caring way. I hope this has helped you massively. Thank you so much for your time. Hit the follow button, hit the subscribe, leave us a review. It takes a couple of seconds and it means the world for the podcast. And if you've enjoyed today's podcast, then please make sure to listen to the next one to find out what's up and what's next.